Welcome, everyone, to a special Christmas edition of the All About Windows Phone Inside podcast. This is number 164. I'm recording this on the 17th of December. I'm Steve Litchfield. Hello, everybody. I'm Rafe Blanford joining Steve. I didn't quite realize this was the Christmas edition, but the year really has flown by. And of course, this is, it is our last recording opportunity before Christmas. But we're still very excited having been talking about the uh, 950 and 950XL at last. More on that, but I'm sure we'll find uh, room to squeeze in a few Christmas puns or make some recommendations for what you may or indeed may not want to find under the Christmas tree. Well, I'm not sure about the puns and the jokes. That was normally Ewan Spencer's uh, domain, and he's uh, <laughs> long since gone. But uh, never mind. I will do our best. Uh, I have to say, Rafe, that uh, after a very upbeat uh, episode last time, I'm a tiny bit down. This I see I've been battling my way through Windows 10 mobile quirks, bugs, inconsistencies over the last uh, two weeks or so on the 950, 950XL, and of course on the older devices like the 930, 1020, 830. And each case, I, I, I've summarized it best in the, the post that went up about 10 minutes ago as we record this, which is the very latest insiders bill, 10, 10586.36. Um, it's Microsoft's last build of the OS before for, for 2016. And I said there that it, they really need to get the operating system to the point where it's 99% complete, or maybe 99.5% complete. At the moment, it feels like it's 95. And while that might be okay for you and I, we're enthusiasts. We don't mind rebooting once a day to fix an issue. We don't mind the battery drains like oh, it's water going down a hill. We, we we cope, we manage, we work around it. But for regular users, especially people on 8.1 who are going to be upgrading to this thing, I, I, I maintain that it's, it's still got another, at least a few weeks of development still in it. And does 95% kind of feel about right to you? Yeah, it's interesting you say this because obviously the, the build that now running on some of the existing devices is what's with the launch devices. And I haven't spent, been able to spend that long with the launch devices. I know you have. Um, but yes, it, it does feel like that. And I wonder if, you know, being really picky, but I mean, there is this thing about software now that it, it kind of never feels finished. And, you know, we kind of go, oh, it's all right. If I have to restart my phone or something freezes and app doesn't, doesn't quite work or crashes. It does feel like on the Windows 10 mobile software that I've used, it just happens a little bit more than on Windows Phone 8.1. Um, you know, I would say I don't think, uh, Windows 10 Mobile is a particularly bad culprit here because actually I find all of my smartphones seem to be more unstable than they used to be. And maybe it's just I'm you know, turning into an <laughs> old man waving my walking stick around. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, Steve obviously being a, a young spring chicken doesn't have that problem. Well, not most <laughs> of the time anyway. Uh, but I, I absolutely agree with you. And getting that last 5%, I think, is important. And, you know, this is obviously a much wider debate about software quality. And part of it, you know... I think we we went through the an extended honeymoon period with Windows 10 Mobile, and by sort of having, you know, the releases come out and then the insider builds, you know, bit by bit by bit, there's less of a big bang, and so there's less excitement, and so we're perhaps less forgiving. Um, and I think it's noticeable that you know you were very enthusiastic in the first few days about the new new hardware, um, and I think that's still the case. But some of the foibles have set in that, that are definitely still there. I mean, Steve, is there anything particular that's irritated you? Because I mean, it is this case always with software is you can ignore the bugs that don't bother you or don't affect you, but sometimes there can be that one thing that really annoys you. Is there anything particular you're thinking of when you make those comments? 
Well, a classic example. I, I, we're having a family debate, and it was particularly important that I managed to get a particular photograph across to my wife. And we are, I was standing within 15 feet of the Wi-Fi router, so there was no connectivity issues. And I tried sending her an email, and it, it, it the, the Outlook uh, splash screen came up, and dots flew across the screen for about two minutes. I thought this is ridiculous. I went back and looked, had a look in the Outbox, and it was still there, and it was still there, and then 10 minutes later, it was still there. I tried. I tried everything. I tried restarting the phone. Nothing would shift. Eventually, 15 minutes later, this one 500 kilobyte photograph finally got sent off. And it's that sort of thing is just not good enough. Now, I know that's probably down to the Outlook code rather than the core OS code, but it just exemplifies that it, the whole thing, the whole ball of string, the whole machinery, it works most of the time, but just that, that one moment a day or that one moment a week when you absolutely have to get that, that uh, spreadsheet edited or that photo fired off um, or that, that you have to find that particular place on a map, that one time when it's absolutely critical and it lets you down. And we need to get to the point where those sort of things don't happen. The basics, um, communicating with people, finding your way around, browsing basic websites, uh, that, that sort of thing should just work, and I contend that it, it doesn't quite yet. And it's so close. It's frustrating. Microsoft had the schedule um, that, that we were kind of guessing at and, and ex extrapolating, extrapolating from, which said that the devices like the 640 and the 735 and the 830, they'd all get Windows 10 Mobile, the official update, um, sometime this month in December. But now it really look, it's looking like it's going to be January 2016. And who knows, at the given Microsoft's track record, I wouldn't even be surprised if that slipped to February, which is just disappointing, I think, with a capital D. Yeah, and I, I think that's right. I mean, we've commented before that Windows 10 Mobile has basically arrived late. I mean, in the sense that Microsoft didn't give really exact official dates, but I think it was made clear that the time was sort of the October-November timeframe, and then it, it's obviously slipped to December, and now we're talking about these in-place updates um, you know, being well into 2016. I think that's definitely against what we were expecting. And um, yeah, I think Microsoft would say, oh, we never committed. That's fine. That's what everyone read. It was the perception and that expectation. So honestly, you know, it's delayed, no question. Um, you know, it's interesting. I haven't had a, a pain point like you with the, the Outlook email, um, but I've certainly had it in the past with other devices. And it's incredibly frustrating when that happens and quite difficult sometimes to step back and, you know, talk about it. But, you know, there have been a few things. I mean, it's not really necessarily fair to talk about this in the context of Windows 10 Mobile, but some of the issues around here, maps being in the uh, Windows Phone Store, and then some of the application updates that have come onto Windows 10 Mobile. There's just been a few bits and pieces where it hasn't hasn't quite worked all the time. It'd be interesting to get other people's views on this because there's a lot of people out there who are raving about their 950s. And, uh, you know, don't get us wrong, there's a, a lot to like about it. I think one of the things we've made a conscious effort to do more in the podcast is try and, you know, give a more nuanced view and talk about our experiences both on the plus and the bad, you know, the negative side. And we, we've always done that. Um, but obviously being a dedicated Windows Phone podcast, we, we probably sometimes strayed on the side of, of being more positive. And one of the bits of feedback we've had many times is, you know, talk about everything, talk about genuinely about your experience. And so that's, that's what we're doing. Um, cause I'm sure there's going to be some people, you know, shaking their fists going, Oh, my, my experience with Windows 10 mobile has been perfect. Uh, and I think it sounds like in the last few weeks, mine has been, been better than Steve's, but, um, I guess, Steve, one of the, the questions to ask you, you know, as I said, you were in that honeymoon period. You actually talked about preferring the 950 over the 950XL. 
Um, I just wondered if you had anything to share now that you've had a bit longer with both of those devices, whether that opinion's changed or there's other things that you've noticed has really come out to the fore. And as you say, there is a, a post up on the site about this and also comparison with the 930, but maybe that's the, the next topic we should be covering in this podcast. Yes, absolutely. No, the, yes, I still maintain the 950 feels more like a a product that's got a place in the market. Um, it's, I described it as the holy grail, and I still stand by that. It's got everything that Steve Litchfield and <laughs> other geeks out there. If you, if I was to compile a, a, my top twenty functions and features in a smartphone, and Microsoft had said, said, Microsoft said, yes, we want to satisfy Steve. Make sure all these twenty are in there. They've done it. They're all in the one device. But just a tiny bit, the back of my mind says it's just a tiny bit too plasticky. Um, the, the components, the speaker, for example, isn't quite good enough. The display is good, but it's got that very flat glass. It hasn't got the premium 2.5D glass of the Lumia 930. Um, you can, you can switch out the back for the Mozo back and that does make a big difference. Um, but, and it's, it's highly specced. It's very capable, but the, the, the underlying OS, which we just mentioned, isn't quite there yet. And, Overall, I just kind of left feeling that it's a tiny bit too expensive. It's already come down from what sort of 500 RRP, including about 500 pounds at the start, down to about 420. Even that's too expensive, given the competition it's up against. Where most, an awful lot of which is now coming out with unibody metal cases and much more premium materials. I can absolutely take on board the comments we've been seeing on, in the stories about the fact that these devices are plastic and polycarbonate, etc. Um, yes, with that comes the fact that you take the back off and you can place the battery, but they've either got to do something more premium, like ship a Mozo case with every device, or they've got to bring the price down. And I, I guessed when they, these two devices were first launched, Rafe, I don't know whether you remember, I'm hoping I'm remembering these numbers right. I think I said something like, um, I want the 950 to be 299 and the 950XL to be 349, something in that region. And you, I think, guessed at £50 more than that. You were closer to reality than I was, but I still maintain that my prices were more <laughs> realistic. If, if if Microsoft really wants to make a dent with these devices in the sense that it wants to get them into the right people's hands, wants to demonstrate how good the OS can be, and wants the product to kind of make sense in the global marketplace, it, it's got to do them almost uh, like, like ne the ne Nexus devices at, uh, uh, not a lost leader, but shoving them out at cost. And I think that still means the 950 at 299 and the 950XL at uh, 349, at which prices you can kind of forgive some of the materials, you can forgive the very overly flat screen glass. You can forgive the fact the speaker's not quite up there. It's got some great components, some great functions. I think they just, I think they are overpriced for the current state of the market. It's interesting because most of those comments seem to be around the design. To be fair, there's some some hardware bits in there as well. And you know, I said this right when I first saw the devices in person. They felt like quite conservative or unambitious designs, and um, you know. Not much has, has changed my opinion, although was, you, know, you were, I think, rightly very positive about the capability of the device. I think that continues to be the case. Yeah. Um, on the pricing, it's an interesting one. I mean, if you look at the various results from Nokia and then Microsoft, it, you know, they weren't really making money from phones in a, a meaningful way. And that was more around, I think, the economies of scale. And so, uh, you know, if you look at everything that's in these phones, they are quite expensive in terms of the components that are in there. It just feels like that, that thing that gives them the feeling of being premium or cost is the design. And that's actually not that much additional cost. I mean, sometimes it can be because, you know, some of the unibody designs or all metal designs are a, a significant part of the bill of materials. 
but you know, with things like the the you know, relatively recent Snapdragon processors, you know, the RAM and the camera modules, you know, these are relatively expensive phones to produce. So, I mean, I, I would stand by what I said. I think you were probably being a little bit harsh on saying they need to get down to three, four, nine, or or whatever price point. But um, it will be interesting to see where they do fall to. As you said, I mean, I think the pricing on the nine fifty now is something like four hundred nineteen pounds from Carphone Warehouse here in the UK. In the new year, you know, that could well drop below the £400 mark, at which point I, I think that starts feeling like, you know, pretty good value. Um, so it, it's an interesting debate. The thing I also wanted to ask you about is last time we talked a little bit around the camera and you were just about to do a comparison with the G4, which I think in both of our views is one of the strongest camera phones on the market. Having now, now got that, I mean, is there an update on your opinion on the, the 950 camera module? Uh, yes, uh, I will come back to the design elements in a minute, but just okay. to answer the camera question, it, there's, it's obviously identical in both devices, just to say that, apart from a slight change in processing speed um, on the faster device. But the overall, uh, Microsoft and the ex-Nokia engineers have done a cracking job. The, the sensitivity to light is there. The OIS is perfect. The software now, in terms of the control, the intelligent rich capture, there's an awful, awful lot to like. And, and just... If you actually start pushing the boundaries in terms of low light shots, right down to the my famous party mock up shots, which <laughs> normally is needed a xenon flash to try and get some semblance semblance of a, a crisp shot, it was even managing that without too many troubles. So, uh, if you add all the factors together, I think the camera in this 950 950XL now makes the, this device the one to beat. I think this beats the G4. Um, and I saw a comment um, this this morning on Twitter. People Mashable had posted a, a review of the best camera phones in the world, and they hadn't even included the 950 and 950XL, which seemed as a bit of a missed opportunity. But uh, maybe that's Microsoft's fault for not reaching out to uh, to Mashable. Uh, I would say this is the phone to beat and I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing more camera comparisons in the early part of 2016. We've got the Galaxy S7, for example, coming along and I'm sure new, new devices from the likes of Sony and, of course, the new, new iPhones. There's, this, there's plenty to play for. I, I've been amazed, really, by how much further uh, Microsoft and, and the, these ex-Nokia guys have taken it in terms of the, the lens and the optics, the sensor, the software, all aspects of it beyond what I thought thought was already kind of plateaued, really, 2015 hardware, but been been very 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 impressed and and yeah do go and look at those uh, those comparators and the, the the crops and the captures um i would say the 950xl is now um better than my lumia 1020 and uh wow. i know i kind of tentatively said that last time on the podcast well i was kind of up in the air wasn't i i think now having proved that provided people don't dance around too much and you're not trying to take shots in a disco <laughs> i think most most people's average rafe blandford indoors with a cup of tea in a dimly lit in a winter Christmas scenario in, in, in the Blandford estate, I think that will come out quite happily on a 950XL. Uh, well, there we go. So I think that's the sort of definitive thing that people will be waiting to hear um, around, you know, your opinion with the 1020 and certainly the evidence of the photos I've seen, uh, both from you and from others. And actually, uh, Steve occasionally publishes extra photos onto his Twitter stream and not just with the uh, 950 as well. Some of the sort of sneak peeks you sometimes get first there. 
you know, so in in some ways, I think that's actually a pretty important moment. You know, when the ten twenty was announced, it was talked about being five years ahead. And while obviously we're not quite five years on, um, it, I think it's very notable it's taken that long for there to be the catch up. And as you say, Steve, I mean things don't stand still. There are uh, more coming. Uh, you said you had a, a few more comments on the design that we were just talking about before I ambushed you with the camera question. <laughs> yeah, I just you you, you posted a, a a comment if you like on my decisions piece and. Uh, I think, although I was initially going for the 950 as the one I wanted, I'm kind of leaning towards the 950XL. And for this reason, only not just the fact it's got a lovely brown leather, fine leather (laughs) Mozo back case now, which helps, but because having just lined up the 930, 950, 950XL, the 950 is an improvement on the 930, but it's not that much of an improvement that anyone's going to want to spend £400 plus, I would argue, even with the better camera. The 930 still feels very premium. But the 950XL is a different form factor. Now, you know, it's, it goes beyond the, the typical 5-inch screen. We're right up at 5.7, yet in a form factor with quite small bezels that feels manageable. You can't quite use it fully one-handed. You can't quite wrap your hand around it. But it's certainly miles, miles better uh, to and more manageable than that the monster Lumia 1520. So the 950XL really takes the, the, the absolute best of the, the you know the, the ex Nokia design, the, the Microsoft vision uh, for the OS. It takes the absolute best of all those components and puts them all into one device that isn't too large to really carry around. And it's a it's a different form factor. The if, if you're happy with the, the five inch screen, then I would say look stick with an eight, the Lumia 830, the 930, they're great phones. Upgrade to Windows for 10 mobile when it's when it's fully ready and you're happy it's stable enough and ha- get on with your life. That you'll do very well. And the 950 just kind of extends that, but with a, a newer device and a newer camera. But the 950XL is kind of a different form factor, like the 640XL was before it arrived. You were there at yeah. the 640XL launch. And again, we were quite impressed by how much they'd shrunk down the Lumia 1320 in this case. We're talking at the budget end of the market without sacrificing too much. And I think this, the 950XL, it is, it is literally the, the 1520, but shrunk down, made more manageable and fully updated in every regard. So if you want the best of Windows 10 Mobile in 2016, then until they come up with something better than that 950XL with the Mozo back, I have to give that caveat because it makes an enormous difference. Absolutely not. Go and look at the photos in my review and you really are will be impressed and get the brown one. The, um, this far, far finer leather and it feels, it feels 10 times more expensive than the coarser leather versions, the black and red stuff. So, uh, yeah, highly recommended with the, all of this with the huge caveat from the start of the podcast that the software is only 95% ready, which is so frustrating when these devices could be so good. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. And it's a good story that the accessory can can make all the difference. But actually, in, in one sense, I think that says everything you need to know about the design. The fact that putting that on has made such a big difference for you because it's made it feel like a, a different device. And it's not just the kind of the personalization element. It's just giving a, an interesting element to the design. And I have actually seen a couple of these in person and I would agree. Um, you know, leather wouldn't usually be my choice for the back of a, a smartphone. Um, but in this instance where there's, you know, otherwise a lot of plastic, um, it, it's, you know, a worthy upgrade. And of course, they are, these are relatively expensive, uh, attachments. But, um, you know, if you're looking at spending that much on a smartphone, maybe you'll be, be willing to go that a little bit further. We've been talking through here, the 950 and the 930 kind of comparison. Obviously, one of the big things about the new devices is their continuum support. And this week we published our review 
um, with a continuum dock, it's probably worth saying that continuum doesn't require that £99 accessory. Uh, you can actually get it by plugging in things like a display adapter or indeed other Miracast accessories. But certainly, in theory, you should get the smoothest experience with this uh, dock adapter because you can plug in a USB keyboard and sticks and various things like that. But reading through Steve's review, if you haven't already done so, I'd, I'd urge you to actually go and do that before you listen to this next bit of the podcast. Uh, it wasn't entirely hunky-dory. And, and Steve, if Windows 10 Mobile in the main is 95% ready, <laughs> uh, what percentage are you going to give to the continuum part of the experience? And I think we've been very positive about We really like the fact that Microsoft has been doing something different, has been innovating, and it's actually been going beyond anything that's been done before in the smartphone space and kind of turning it into a, a PC. But neither of us had had any more than sort of five minutes playing with a demo uh, you've had a chance to use it in person for a, a little bit longer. And let's say it wasn't um, unalloyed joy, was it, Steve? I knew you were going to start with the percentage thing, and I'm ready for you. <laughs> uh, I think you might be a bit shocked, though. Um, Go on. If, 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 the main, if Windows 10 Mobile as a, a mobile OS is 95% ready, I would say that Continuum is 50% ready. Mm. Which I mean, is kind of early alpha. And it's not that the, the hardware is great. The display dock is a really solidly, nicely made piece of kit. It's well thought out. You hook all the right cables in the right places. It's got the right uh, flexibility in terms of display board and HDMI. Um, this, this audio pass-through, everything works beautifully. The USB Type-C cables work beautifully. Everything's solid. Everything's ready to go. You plug it in, and then the disappointments start kicking in. And it's literally that they haven't finished writing the code. They promise that what you, you know, that the expectation is that you, you plug in your Lumia 950 into this dock and that into a monitor. You hook up your, you know, Bluetooth keyboard or USB keyboard and even a Bluetooth mouse and that all works fine. And you get what looks like a Windows 10 desktop. And you think, okay, this is fine. You start browsing through your start, your virtual start screen. You start launching applications and Outlook works fine. Um, Edge works fine. You, you, you play around with groove music and it kind of works in the background without too much stuttering. And you think, oh, this is fine. Uh, and then you, you're called off perhaps, you know, to to just take your phone to the other side of the house to, to, to take a photograph of something or to you nip out to the shops, come back five minutes later. You plug the cable in again, tend to resume where you left off and everything's gone. And it's so you're, not only have you not got the normal Windows 10 accoutrements around the, around the screen in terms of the... Um, the, the full start functionality and, and the full settings, all of which normally work on a desktop and the, 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 the bottom taskbar add-ons and flexibility and you multi-windowing, all these things you're used to with Windows on a desktop PC. You haven't got any of those. But in addition to that, you haven't even got the a, a, a state, a desktop, which can be remembered. So, for example, you might set up, nice as I did in, so I did a demo for the phone show, which I had a, a spreadsheet open and a web page open. I even had Netflix at, Netflix open in a tab and edge because you can't the Netflix is currently doesn't app doesn't currently work with continuum so I had about six different applications all nicely open I was sending and receiving emails and editing my spreadsheet and demoing this and demoing that and you unplug the cable plug it back in even 30 seconds later and a blank desktop nothing open again now actually on the phone running on the processor running in with kind of running in quotes because this is windows 10 mobile of course windows phone is not really running all the time not really multitasking but although these things kind of remember their state they kind of remember where you got to you've got to then click on each application each shortcut 
all over again to try and rebuild the sort of alt-tab carousel of the, the bits you were flitting between. The whole point of a desktop experience is that you can do three or four things at once and you, you can you know, switch between them, alt-tab. And once they're open, that they're, once they're on screen in this alt-tab carousel, you can do that, but it doesn't remember any of that. It's so frustrating. You'd have thought the very, late, the very least they could have some kind of con- config file Something which told the continuum system. Oh, by the way, when when the user did, pulled the cable out, he was he was you know in, in these six applications, and these were the approximate states. And then when you plug it back in, it simply restores that, and there they are on the screen. That's what should happen. At the very least, give us shortcuts on the desktop. So, for example, you can't you know drag say Edge or Excel. You can't drag them from the virtual start screen onto the big you know Windows ten uh, glowing windows on the blue <laughs> blue background, the default Windows ten desktop. You can't even create shortcuts so that you can quickly get back you've got to manually laboriously sw- scroll through this virtual start screen get to the very bottom then click on all apps then go through the alphabetical grid just to find the applications that were open one minute before but which you lost because you pulled the cable out and these are basic basic things which you thought any anybody working on the team should have thought well we must implement this and you could only think that they literally ran out of time and they, they, they had to ship it. They had to ship it with an i50, 950 XL, and they know full well that they haven't actually written half the code yet. Continuum and display, uh, and the display doc, they absolutely showed the, the vision of the future. And I, we borrowed ours from a very helpful chap called Julian Grail. So thank you, Julian, for that. Um, he said we can borrow it again in February or March when Microsoft have finished the code. And I think he's absolutely right. I think it's 50% done. And when, luckily, when Windows 10 Mobile is out for real and it's being, um, it's much more accepted in the marketplace and maybe when the 950 and 950 XL are at sensible prices and more people are buying them, then maybe all of this will make sense. Maybe all the code will come together. But you know, 50%, I think that sounds like too low a figure to me. And again, just color me a bit disappointed. Yeah, well, as the designated apologist on this podcast, and at least it <laughs> feels like that a lot of the time, I, I wonder whether you're being overly harsh, but, you know, I, Honestly, I can't help but agree with you because that would be the way I expect it to work. Um, I'm sure, you know, Microsoft would tell you, no, that's the way it's designed to work. And why would you unplug your cable halfway through, <laughs> you know, a working session? But clearly, I mean, for something like this, you, you might well do, especially if you pick up the phone to make a, you know, walk, make a call and walk around the room with it or something like that. So I can't yeah. believe that it's not beyond the edge of reason that someone thought about it. Um, I assume they, they did do because it's such an obvious thing, but they decided for whatever reason not to. And as you say, it, I would suggest it's around resources. I mean, clearly you can see why they clear things out because it, there will be a performance and resource issue here. Um, also, of course, you know, this does strike me as rather being like, if you talk to a lot of people, they have their browser that will reopen all their tabs when they start it up again. And then they'll look at horror at the person who closes their browser and none of the tabs restore next time they start it. I think the world is divided into two camps, those who've got tab restore set on their browsers and, and those who don't. And it does feel like you know ways of working that could apply here. I mean, I was also concerned around some of the stability that you mentioned in the review around some of the software because actually I could probably get over the the thing that you mentioned because honestly most of the time I would be plugging in doing a session and then carrying on somewhere else although again I mean it it does feel like it could be incredibly frustrating and you get around it um I will also say I think there are some really nice software touches on there. The way that they've actually thought about using the device as kind of uh, an input mechanism, basically a a big multi-touchpad. I mean, I do think that's nice. And I will say uh, it's probably in terms of the hardware design, 
the nicest accessory that I can remember Microsoft or Nokia producing in a long time. It's kind of this heavy metal thing. And it's kind of ironic that that feels like a really premium accessory when we've actually just a little while ago been talking about the fact that the handsets don't seem to quite live up to that. And, you know, you sort of wonder, it, it would have been better kind of if it was the other way around, if I'm honest. You know, if that kind of the, <laughs> the, the metal, the solid feel in the hand had been on the handsets and kind of the slightly plastic display dock, which, uh, if we're honest, not everyone's going to buy. Um, but it, 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 is a, it is an interesting one. As I say, I would urge you to read Steve's take on it. I'm going to, you know, in, in due course, get a go on it myself. And I'll also be able to report back. I mean, I did notice that uh, some of the experience, at least, is around how many universal apps you have. Because what you'll see is if you try clicking on an app that doesn't support uh, the, this kind of continuum mode, it will just display a message on the phone. It obviously won't come up on the screen. And depending on what you're trying to use, that that could potentially be very disappointing. There are more and more universal apps coming, which I think we'll we'll touch later on a, a separate point. Um, so, I mean, to me, there are still some redeeming features about it. I think the other issue you had, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, is you still wonder about what the use case for this is. I mean, having had a chance yeah. to use it, I mean, do you see anything more than those that we talked about on, on previous podcasts? If they had a working way of preserving a desktop, a state. So, for example, you mentioned, think about working with a laptop computer, Rave. You know, you're doing yeah. about four or five things at once, including a four or five tabs in a web browser and your email clients open and music's playing. All of these things you, you generally, generally run with open all the time and you close your laptop lid, you walk into the next office or you take a train journey somewhere and wherever you are, you open the laptop lid. You expect to be things to be where you found, where you left them. And the fact then they're not actually completely wrecks the experience. If that was possible, if Microsoft did implement this, and it's not a resource constraint, because even when all of these things are running and you're on, on continuum and it's working, you can still use the phone to play games and do all sorts of things. But there's plenty of processor power. There's plenty of RAM. They simply haven't written the code yet. If they can fix all that, if, if all of that were to be fixed, and let's give them another month or so to write the code, then I can see a use case. It's it's a it's a niche use case. It relies on you having a, a Lumia 950 or an i50XL. You're going to a place, i.e. a prepared office or a hotel room or a holiday home, which has a compatible screen where they haven't glued the, the ports closed on the back. And you've happily brought along your Bluetooth keyboard and, and your Bluetooth mouse. And then you can kind of hook it all up together and you can get a reasonably good working experience um hopefully remembered from where you got left off in your office uh, up before the drive to the, to the place but it's all kind of clutching at straws really given that i 99.9 percent .9 of the sort of people who would do that you me probably everyone listening to this who's, who also thinks that continuum is a really cool idea we've also got laptops even me clunky old mr retro steve i've got a six-year-old laptop but it's a laptop and it works fine and when you and i run 10 programs on it and when i close the lid and then open it again later on at my, my journey's end they're all still there and i can use them quite happily with no extra wires no extra fiddling around no extra plugging anything in no reliance on what, what i'm finding at the de destination not even a reliance on mains so it's a niche, a niche within a niche it shows the future it shows what can be done with windows 10 it shows that the os is across mobile and desktop and then the experience is common but there's so many loose ends to tie up and it, it all remains it's kind it's all kind of proof of concept right if that makes sense it's it's a proof of concept hardware it's a proof of concept in every regard that doesn't really seem like it's going to sway many people out in the real world yeah I, it, it's interesting because <laughs> I, I, I i guess part of me is slightly disappointed 
in hearing this because you know i had high hopes for it and i mean that's perhaps one of the issues here that um the way that continuum was described and perhaps we're a bit guilty of this as well is kind of windows 10 pc from your phone it, it never was that and actually if you did think that it was maybe unrealistic expectations and perhaps we're, we're we're all a bit guilty of that i mean those who remember things like the motorola atrix actually it had very similar problems i mean actually there are a whole bunch of other problems but we won't get into those but um this is actually the closest to kind of having windows 10 running on your other display from your phone but actually what it's really doing is it's reformatting the display of your windows 10 mobile to work on a bigger screen and it's actually still windows 10 mobile underneath now it looks a lot like windows 10 desktop um and i don't want to sort of refer to it as windows rt but it's kind of got those similar limitations because of course not all the apps run on it. so it's not like a full windows yeah. that you can run um and as you say i think i think actually you're a bit harsh on the potential use cases i can absolutely see businesses using this as a way of sort of being able to issue a company device that does both things. So if you're in, say, fleet logistics or, you know, wanting to be able to plug into a bigger screen, that does start to make uh, sense to me. And I saw a demo at one of the uh, Microsoft days where they had it running inside uh, a van and actually for doing the kind of the GPS navigation and for doing kind of some line of business applications around um, sort of job and task management for could be, a, you know, a, an engineer who's out on site having to work out what his next job is or indeed sort of delivery or things like that. It, to me, it still has a lot of potential there. But I mean, it's fair to say that's a niche case. Um, in, in my world where, you know, you're quite often visiting other offices and giving presentations, you know, I really like the idea of being able to leave your laptop behind and just taking your phone um, with, you know, it could either be a display adapter or it could be this uh, uh, continuum dock. And you, you know, a lot of the time now you do have an HDMI port to plug into. But of course, there's definitely risk attached to that because, you know, you can't guarantee that it will work. And I, I suspect, you know, most people in those business cases would say, well, I'm going to take my laptop because I want to be safe. Um, yeah. and, and then it does come back, you know, are there people who would just own a phone and don't necessarily own a PC? Yes, I've, I think there will be some of those. Um, but the, the experience probably needs to get better before you can feel confident about, say, going away on holiday and going, actually, I just need to take my phone and that'll do everything I need to because actually I don't really want to do much email or I might just need to do a little bit. And in theory, continuum should work great in those scenarios. But of course, when you're you're dealing with, you know, laptops that actually shrunk down in size and we're getting the transformer type devices in the form of the, you know, the Surface Pro 3 and 4 and even something like the Surface, but, you know, which really aren't very big at all. You know, by the time you've stuffed in this uh, continuum, this display dock, plus the necessary cables, you're not getting that far away. It is a little bit, obviously, but you know, that's all things you need to remember to take. Um, and so I think that traveling scenario feels somewhat problematic to me. It does feel like this is uh, a static thing, which is why, as I say, the in-van example did kind of catch my attention. So uh, a lot more to hear on this. As I, say, I definitely want to give it a go myself. I'm really intrigued, actually, to attach it to a TV and kind of use it as a way of just doing the odd bit when you're in front of the sofa and does that work particularly if you're doing kind of uh, wireless mirror cast although um, some of the comments we've seen does suggest there's some performance around that i'm sure we'll be talking more about this in the future and as steve said I, i'm sure there are code updates to come i mean it, it's interesting i i you know part of me wants to go it, it's it's rubbish and you're not going to get windows 10 mobile because of this i think if we're honest continue was always one of those edge features that was kind of demonstrating a proof of concept 
and perhaps the expectation around it became so high because it was kind of one of the unique things about Windows 10 Mobile. Ultimately, you're, I don't think it's going to be the reason you buy or do not buy the device. I mean, something like the camera for most people listening to this and certainly for myself is going to be far more important. But, I, I, you know, as I said, I want to try it myself and I'll offer another opinion. But based on uh, Steve's review, I, I will confess there's a, a little bit of disappointment. So I'm not sure I can really uh, get away from that. And it's interesting. I've seen very similar comments reflected um, in the in the comments on that uh, article, that review that you wrote, Steve. So, yeah, I- interesting one. That I, Any more comments on Continuum before we maybe move on to a, a really question tied into Universal Apps? Uh, yes, just just to, you mentioned um, you hope to see kind of code updates in the future. I think it really is. It's, it's more than just updates. I, I, I'll go back to that 50% figure. We're literally talking about writing features. Do you remember the famous book Showstopper, Pascal yes. Zachary or something like that? Yeah, uh, I hope I've got the, the author's name right. And the, the, the way that Windows NT, the original, you know, the basis for all the windows we have today was re- constructed. And it literally went in almost all at programmer by programmer on the little bit of the code they were writing. And without their bit of code, for example, a mouse driver, then you couldn't run a mouse on the OS. It really was at that level where they were physically writing code from scratch for the first time. And they're kind of having to do that with Continuum. For example, you plug in your Bluetooth, you know, your Bluetooth mouse connected to your 950, you plug it into Continuum, and a little mouse appears on the screen. And you could move it around. How wonderful. You think, well, I'm, you know, I have to move the mouse something like two feet across the desk. Um, that's over half a meter for our metric listeners. Um, and just in order to get the from one side of the screen to the other. So I'll go into the settings. Oh, look, there's settings mouse. That'd be perfect. You click on it and something happens on your phone screen, which is just the normal Bluetooth mouse connection. And there's no option to change it, how how the mouse responds whatsoever. So you, it is laborious. It's the only word I can express on a, a typical 1080p monitor. You just it swipe, 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 dragging this mouse around just to try to do the simplest tasks and all the time. Every time you have to move, move the mouse without a, a way of changing its speed, you think, oh, this will be so much faster if I just use my laptop. And you can't, how on earth did it get to this stage without someone thinking, well, maybe we should put in some kind of set, implement that setting. And it's literally that no one has physically written the code for the, that setting for Continuum. They haven't made that code available. If you look at these, the Windows 10 store, uh, mobile store updates we've been getting, some of the ex- settings extras, things like touch and glance, they've been coming on stream the last week or so. I mean, late in December, but they are coming on stream. But these are the sort of things that should have been there months ago, and they're only just now coming. And if they're only just now doing that, then you can absolutely see why the continuum tweaks have kind of taken second place and second priority. They're still fixing basic things like battery life and, you know, comms issues in the main OS. So the continuum code um, and making things continuum compatible will happen it just hasn't happened yet 50% is maybe being a bit harsh maybe <laughs> 60 or 70% um, maybe with your apologist hat on we can compromise somewhere in the middle but uh, you will agree it's a long way short of 90% and I think by the time we get to about February and the, the over the air updates are starting to roll out for more phones and the 950 the 950XL have good battery life and they're more stable and all the bits and settings are there for continuum and for the phone and then we can plug in a display dock and you can start to see everything really working. And by then, hopefully, they will also remember the state and remember where you got up to and things will be rather more streamlined. But it's just it's early, early days. If the OS itself is, is, is nearly there, then Continuum is nowhere near nearly there. And I think we just have to be patient. It is, it is a new vision of the future. As with HoloLens, you know, that we're talking about a long-term future here. And you mentioned business. I mean, businesses are notoriously slow on the uptake in terms of uh, the changing the way they, they do their IT. And... Uh, 
if this is a play for business, it's going to, that's going to map out over the course of many months, tens of months, if not multiple years. So I think as, as keen enthusiasts and reviewers, we have to just, uh, just rein it rein in things slightly and be a bit patient and just give them a few more months. I know things are dragging on, but I think they they will get there. They're just not there yet. Yeah. Uh, and it, it does seem to me that you've had a particularly poor experience with Continuum. Now, there, there may be reasons around that for you know particular hardware or software combinations or just you know how you expect it uh, to work because some of the other comments um, you know, are a little bit more positive. I suspect, actually, if people start using it as you've done for a few days, they will come across more of the gripes and grumbles that you've come but equally well as ever we're always fascinated to hear from our listeners if you've had a slightly different experience or you want to give us a really positive comment on continuum to talk about next time please do you can reach us at the usual addresses rafe at all about windows phone steve litchfield at gmail.com as well as on the social media and all that sort of thing Uh, i I think steve we probably got time for one uh, listener question which we've kind of lined up so do you want to take it away with that one Yes, just to mention it, I'm not Steve Litchfield at gmail.com because that's someone else. There's another Steve Litchfield at, um, who lives uh, about two miles from me in Reading with, with the other wow. address, <laughs> which is just absolutely bizarre. He's, he's completely and utterly fed up with getting emails for me from other people. But anyway, so I'm at slitchfield at gmail.com. Yes, Stuart Cutts has written in and we've got several readers' letters. We'll come try and do one per podcast, I think, because there's just so much to talk about. But Stuart Cutts says, and I'll just, just summarizing his letter very slightly because it was quite long, but he says, How about the application gap, Stephen Rafe? A curated list of applications Windows 10 uh, Mobile needs to get in 2016 to help bridge the gap. Ask people which applications they need or want in 2016 and or which ones they think Windows 10 needs to make a success of the universal application approach. And I think he's referring back, of course, to my curated list of the best uh, the Windows 10 mobile applications which I put up on the site, which hopefully people are finding useful. But of course, it, I, what's not there is the stuff that's not available. So he's saying, can we have a curated list of the stuff people need? He says, for example, says Stuart, it will be my banks, Nationwide and HSBC, my credit card, Barclay card, Amazon Prime Music and the Intercontinental Hotel Group application. So far, I haven't seen any real improvement in the availability of applications with Windows 10. I appreciate its early days and also, as I said, I don't use many apps. So others closer to the bleeding edge such as yourself will have a much greater insight. And before Rafe jumps in, I just wanted to say, Stuart, um, since you wrote that letter, which I think was a couple of weeks ago, we have seen an awful lot of universal Windows 10 applications released. It does seem like the the, the dam's broken, Rafe, and uh, we've now got a whole flood of, of fairly major names behind universal Windows 10 apps. If you just look at the flow column on our site, and even that's you know, only a third of the number of apps released because I've been so busy on the 950 and 950XL stuff, I haven't really kept fully up to date with all the releases. But there's the, I would say, something like 10% of the top 100 most requested apps that were missing um, two or three weeks ago are now there and universal across desktop, tablet, and mobile. And I would expect over the next month to get another 40, 50% of those. Maybe not all of the banks that Stuart wants and all of the applications, but they certainly are coming and it's something of a flow now, Rafe. And I think only Christmas can get in the way. Yeah, uh, indeed. I mean, I think there's two parts to this question. Um, it's universal apps. I've got to say, absolutely love them. And it's not just about um, continuing. I think that's maybe a small part of it for me personally, especially as you know, not really um, yeah. done the hands-on with that yet. It's the ability to use the same app or at least the same experience across 
both the phone and then onto, in my case, it's a, a Surface uh, device. Um, it really makes an enormous difference, especially when you start talking about settings and kind of preferences that go across the apps. And good example of this is kind of a news content app where you set up some personalized feeds or some settings and it saves those across. I've already talked about how I really enjoy being able to see my most recent documents from Word and Excel live across kind of both versions. And when that works, it's absolutely fantastic that there are always some caveats. Uh, but you're right to say a lot more of these have come out. I mean, one that's going back a while now, relevant to our UK audience, was The Guardian. I think The Wall Street Journal has just come out in the last week or so. Team Viewer is a, another one, which if that's a, a must-have app for you, that's obviously great news for sort of doing uh, that remote yeah. display and that kind of thing. Uber? Uh, Uber, yeah. So, you know, you can now order a taxi from from anywhere. Um, more and more of those coming. However, it. I think the thing about the app gap is actually it's very rarely around specific apps. You know, sometimes there are, you know, um, people will talk about, you know, up to date versions of say Instagram and Facebook and all of those. And actually we're going to get those, you know, Facebook kind of uh, committed to bringing out universal apps. So no doubt that will happen in due course, but it is, it tends to be utility apps that are specific to a market. And so banking apps are the most obvious example of that. Um, but it was also interesting that uh, Stuart mentioned the um, IHG International Hotel Group application, Amazon Prime Music. Those are specific services which on their own probably don't have masses and masses of users because they're not kind of the global app that everyone installed like Facebook Messenger. But for certain people, they'll be absolutely vital uh, to their life. And so it's pretty easy for Microsoft to kind of try and persuade some of the popular games or some of the really big apps, you know, Uber being a good example or the way that the Candy Crush series came across to Windows 10 mobile and Windows Phone relatively recently are, are kind of good examples of that. Um, I, I still think there will be this app gap in 2016. And, you know, Stuart asked us to name a specific one. I think the honest answer is for everyone, um, they will be a little bit different. I think you're absolutely right. A lot of the kind of the big names will fill in and will have universal apps. And that's going to be great news, especially if you're not a heavy app user. But there are still going to be gaps. And if anything, that situation will probably get a bit worse, given what we've been talking about in terms of shipment volumes and what's happening with uh, Windows 10 Mobile and Microsoft's whole whole mobile strategy. Uh, but those that are available will be more likely to be universal, and that does offer something really that's kind of unique to the Windows platform. Um, you know, we've got universal apps between iPhone and iPad, uh, and sometimes you will also have uh, you know Mac versions of those, and they'll all sync through iCloud. But it doesn't feel quite as cohesive and quite as continuous that experience as you you get with these universal windows so there's an awful lot to like about them but um you know i suppose the the, the pessimist in me has to still go they're still relatively around the ground and although those quite rightly identifies many being released um i'd expect there to be quite a patter right now because you know windows 10 mobiles come out windows 10 itself is relatively recent it'll be really interesting to see how that's sustained going forward i mean talking to you know some of the the companies that are looking to build these apps it's absolutely the case that you know if they can justify the investment in doing windows app it makes sense to do a windows universal app because they get kind of a bigger audience and while there is obviously a cost associated with having it work across all all three um it, particularly if you're using kind of the standard ui conventions it's not that horrific and certainly i think it's in a cost benefit analysis it's a pretty easy one to justify um but kind of i suppose to get back to stuart's in question Yes, I, I'm not sure you're going to see massive amounts of improvements. I think you will see more of these universal apps in the big name apps, and that will inevitably mean that a few more arrive on 
on Windows. Um, but in terms of that longer app gap, which is kind of long tail, so particularly around service or market-specific apps, uh, I think it's still going to be relatively grim news. Um, I'm lucky in that things like my banking app, and my utility apps are, are absolutely already available to me. And honestly, I'm not that bothered about them being universal because frankly, the very nature of them means that they don't need to work on the desktop for me. I'm quite happy having them just on my smartphone. Uh, but some of the others, you know, particularly around the social media or media consumption, Netflix being a good example, uh, and the equivalents for things like Now TV or BBC iPlayer. Again, all, we've heard about some of these being on the way will make a, a big difference for me. And yeah, I mean, as always, it's kind of the other ecosystems. Uh, Stuart mentions Amazon Prime Music. I'd love to see that too. And equally, obviously, some of the Google apps. And uh, I do feel those are less likely kind of really for the obvious reasons. But it's a, a great question. Hopefully that gives you a good answer, Stuart. Yeah, we'll come to the other readers' letters hopefully in the next podcast, which will be in 2016. So apologies if we're dragging our feet on answering those, but there has been an awful lot to chat about, as you probably gathered. And Ray's been incredibly busy at his uh, his main day job as well. So uh, we do what we can. In the meantime, I, I, if I do, will apologise for some of the beeps you've heard during the podcast because I've got two or three Windows phones updating for the very latest build, and they they beep just before they do the rest want the restart, and then the spinning cogs. So I'm now staring at three phones with spinning cogs, and hopefully I'll be playing with the. Uh, latest build of Windows 10 Mobile through the evening. Um, we're going to say goodbye, Rafe. I think we better wish all our listeners a happy Christmas and a, a great New Year's uh, holiday. We will be back in the first week or so of uh, January, hopefully with a special report, maybe, if we can get bandwidth uh, from you at in America. Indeed, yes, I'll be off at CES. So uh, I think we might try and squeeze in a podcast before then, but in the new year, you can look forward to hearing a little bit about that, maybe some of the trends. But uh, it only remains for me to say happy Christmas to everyone and all the best for the new year. Uh, we'll, we'll try and squeeze in an extra podcast as kind of a late Christmas present if we possibly can, especially as we didn't really manage to make this a very Christmas-themed uh, podcast. <laughs> but uh, I guess we can always say uh, we hope that those of you who want one find... Uh, the Lumia 950 or 950XL under the tree. For everyone else, well, I hope you don't find the continuum dock adapter if your experience is anything like Steve's, although maybe you've got a, a bit more patience and can wait uh, till it all comes along. But uh, And for those of you who've already uh, got them, I hope you find your Mozo case or whatever it happens to be. In the meantime, there's plenty of other things that you might be able to pair to a, a Windows phone device, all kinds of gadgets and battery rechargers, plenty of reviews on the site to have a look at in terms of games and things like that as well. Uh, but thank you as ever for listening and please join us again in either the last few days of 2015 or early 2016. Oh, Rafe, I thought of something Christmassy. Oh, go on. Ooh, Excellent. Ooh, oh, yes. go on, go on. Before yes. we finish, a PS, Windows 10 Mobile Maps, which was updated two days ago, if you update that on your Insider's Preview or your Lumi 950, there's a Where's Santa function. I don't know whether oh, you spotted brilliant. this. No, you I can tap on Where's Santa and it shows you where Santa is uh, on the big build-up through Christmas Eve and delivering presents right around the world, all with physically within the application. It's well, it's, it's a novelty. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but it's Christmassy, so I'm going to sign off with that. And it's Father Christmas or St. Nicholas, not Santa. Honestly, Steve, we're a British podcast. Get it right. <laughs> Bye for now.